Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. This episode, we're talking about Social Security. You know, Social Security provides at least one-third of the income for all seniors and amounts to 50% of income for older retirees. Unfortunately, according to research, most people don't understand exactly how this system works. In fact, most people overestimate their monthly benefits by $300 or more. It's no secret that trying to navigate the Social Security Administration can feel like a nightmare for the ordinary person, and that's why we're ready to answer your questions about Social Security today. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hi, Miranda. Hello. This week's guest is Devin Carroll, a financial advisor of nearly 20 years and founder of the Social Security Intelligence blog. Thanks for being with us today, Devin. Ah, thank you guys so much for having me. Well, we are delighted. And before we start, though, remember this, guys. This is not financial advice you're hearing today, so make sure you do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything that you learn on this podcast. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get the ball rolling. Let's dive right into our first listener question. What is it, Miranda? You got one for me? Yes. So we have a question from Jim, and he says that his wife is turning 69 in six months, and he is turning 62. So he cannot claim his retirement benefits until 67, but he wants to start claiming his benefits and retire next year when he turns 63. So his question is, can his wife start claiming spousal benefits now, or does she have to wait until Jim files? And then Jim also wants to know, well, her taking a spousal benefit, will it reduce his benefit? So, uh, Devin, help us out. (laughs) Ah, okay. Let me let me make sure I can retrace some of this. So his right. wife is 69 and a half. He's mm-hmm. still 62, but he's still working, so he hasn't filed yet. Exactly. And his wife doesn't have much of a benefit of her own. Okay. All right. I think I have all of the facts here. So the, you know, really understanding this has to go and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here. I know it's a podcast. I'm used to presenting in a more of a visual format. So, you know, where I have my charts and graphs and all of that that come up to support what I'm saying so I don't lose people. But I do think it's important to go back for just a moment and review how a spousal benefit is actually calculated to begin with. Because a lot of people have this assumption that a spousal benefit is always one half of the higher earning spouse's full retirement age benefit. And it's really not. So a spousal payment is simply the amount that's added on to someone's payment generally that will get them up to one half. So for example, uh, let's say that, let's say that Jim, let's say that his full retirement age benefit is $2,000 and his wife has a $400 benefit of her own. Well, she's entitled to up to a thousand bucks, right? At her full retirement age. But that means that at her full retirement age, 400 would come from her own payment And 600 of that would come from the spousal payment. And then both of those are reduced independently. So if she has already filed, uh, he did say that his wife doesn't earn much. So I'm assuming she's already filed for her own benefit, that it was reduced based on the age that she was entitled to her own benefit. And then once he files for benefits and that spousal payment can be paid because it can't be paid until he files, that payment will be reduced based on the age that she is when she's entitled to the spousal payment. I know it's a lot of details, but there's so much misinformation and confusion about how that actual spousal payment 
is calculated. It goes just a little deeper than just a 50% of the higher earning spouses for retirement age benefit. Quick, quick question, Devin. Okay, so here we've got the, the woman is eligible for FRAs and, in fact, is taking her Social Security. The man, though, is only 62. So is she entitled to half or, or up to, another, another, you're using your example, is she entitled to the full 1000 that he would get at his full retirement? Because it's going to be reduced when he, when he files early, right? Right. Yeah, so the spousal payment is always keyed off of what they refer to as the primary insurance amount, which, roughly speaking, for retirement benefits is the same thing as the full retirement age benefit. So even though he files at 62, because of her age and she's not under full retirement age, she is still entitled to receive that benefit that's up to one half of his full retirement age benefit. Interesting. Oh, by the way, the same thing applies if he delays until 70, though, right? She's not entitled to one half of that age 70 benefit. She's still only entitled to one half of the PIA, which is that amount he would have received at full retirement age and then adjusted for the cost of living and the adjustments that have happened since then. So she's going to get half, even though he's 62, she's going to get half. Or rather, okay, she's going to be equalized up to half of his his full retirement benefit, right? right? Is right. that what you're saying? I'm astounded. That, that's surprising. In a rough sense. In a rough sense, yes. Because remember, she's receiving a benefit of her own. That's, you know, depending on when she filed, that may have already been reduced some. So that amount will be subtracted out of the 50%. Yeah. And then whatever's left is uh, is going to be paid to her. Now I see why people go to people like you, Devin, because this is this is really complicated. And I've been I've been yeah. talking about this stuff for years, and I'm still surprised when I hear some stuff. Yeah, and I think well, too, I am too, and, and by it, the way. Yeah, and it and it doesn't reduce his benefit if she is taking his benefit, right? So if she's receiving Absolutely her spousal not. benefit, it's not going to reduce his benefit. That's right. Oh, that's All right. right. That was part of his question. Yeah. Next so question. Yes, yeah, so we've got another question. So. So this is a fun a one. one. <laughs> uh, my friend was divorced after 18 years of marriage and he remarried. She remarried, but is divorced now and single. So this is now she's single again. She was married to this guy for more than 10 years uh, and says, can she sign up to collect half of her first husband's social security now? He doesn't, ah. she doesn't know if he's collecting his social security or not. Uh, and then she wants to know, like if she collects his spousal benefit, a spousal benefit based on him now while she's 64 and then let her own and then wait, can she switch over to her own social security when she reaches age 70? So there's a, there's, there's really two things here that we have to address. One is, is she entitled to a spousal benefit from an ex-husband, ex-spouse? The other is, can she file for one benefit and let the other one grow? So let me, let's take the first one. All right. So as long as all marriages have ended, if you've met those length of marriage rules, which as you've already pointed out for a divorce spouse is 10 years, then you can file for a spousal benefit as long as either the ex-spouse has already filed for their own benefit or the marriage has been dissolved for at least two years. You know, so if there's been two years between the divorce date and now, even if the ex-spouse hasn't filed for their own benefit, you could still get a spousal benefit paid off of that. Now, for the other question, no, she cannot do that. She cannot file for a spousal benefit, let her own benefit grow. 
there were some law changes in late 2015 that put the stop on almost all of that. Good to know. Good to know. So, and this is actually something I'm, I started calculating for a while after my divorce is, is it going to make more sense for me to file for a spousal benefit or, um, for, for my own benefit? And I'm to the point where I'll be having a higher benefit. So filing for a spousal benefit makes no sense for me, but you do want to run your numbers. Absolutely. I have another question on this one too, then. Okay. So she, she gets divorced. Okay, what if she gets remarried and then divorced again? Can she file against either one of her prior husbands, if, the, if, she, if providing she was married but to both for 10 years or more? You know, I need Could to do some research. The, the short answer is yes, but I need to do some research on this. There was a singer, one of the old crooners, Dean Martin or someone, who was married seven times, I believe. And something like five or six of those spouses they all met the length of marriage rule. And all of those spouses were receiving a spousal benefit off of him. And then uh, I think a couple of them had died. And so it became a survivor benefit. But the short answer to your question is yes. As long as all marriages have ended, you can go back and you can choose from the highest benefit. As long as you met the length of marriage rules and all of the other eligibility qualifications were met. Absolutely. Interesting. And a little confusing again. <laughs> What's next? So the next question is from Walt, and he says he is receiving his Social Security. So he's currently receiving Social Security, but his wife is 24 months from her uh, full retirement age. And if she starts to collect on her record, she will receive a reduction of, he figures, about 7.7%. So when he dies, he wants to know whether his wife will receive a full Social Security benefit um, on his survivorship record, or will she receive a 7.7% reduction based on uh, collecting on her own benefits? Okay. So it sounds like the the, the real question here is, if she files early for her own benefits, will that early reduction carry over to a future survivor benefit? Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm hearing. So, no, yep. it will not. Those are independent benefits. Now, that's the real short answer. Uh, if she's 64 now, and let's say that he dies in a year, then she'll become entitled to a survivor benefit or eligible for the survivor benefit, rather, when she's 65. And so at that point, if she switches over to a survivor benefit, it would be reduced. But based on the age that she becomes entitled to that survivor benefit, which would be when he died. But as long as he dies at some point after her full retirement age, then no, there there won't be any reduction because she filed for her retirement benefit earlier. And by the way, we should use this as an opportunity to point out too what survivor benefit means. Um, so if you, you're, we're, our initial question was, can the wife get uh, the wife can get up to half of the man's Social Security, whoever the higher uh, recipient is now? But what's how does that differ from a survivor benefit? So, you know, the big broad rule with a survivor benefit is that the the remaining spouse, the surviving spouse is entitled to the greater of either his or her own benefit or the benefit of the deceased, whichever is higher. And then the other benefit right. drops off. 
So they get that full benefit. And this is one reason why it may make sense for some people, at least, to wait until they're 70. Like in my case, uh, I'm older than my wife. So if I wait until I'm 70 to collect, then she's going to get a higher benefit as a survivor. Is that I mean, providing that my benefit is greater than hers? Is that true? That is absolutely correct. Okay. So we need to think of our spouses when we decide whether to take it early or late. Oh, well, you know, I think it's that's, a, a that's a big part of the decision when you're trying to figure out how to file is how is it going to impact those you leave behind? And, you know, so many times people look at break-even analysis. They look at all of these things about how can I get the maximum benefits over my life expectancy, and they don't think about how will this impact those that I leave behind. You know, so yep. I think it was Mary Beth Franklin who once said it's not, you know, what if I die or what if I live a long time? It's what if I die? And, uh, right. and I think that makes a lot of sense for a filing decision. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I know you've got another question loaded up, Miranda. Mm-hmm. Let, let me do a really quick. We're, we're trying to keep on a tight timeline. Uh, we find ourselves <laughs> going a little over every now and then, Devin. So this is this is my week to get us back on a tight timeline. Let me do a real quick. <laughs> let me do a real quick uh, an ad and then we'll come right back. So hold on, guys. We're halfway through our show. Uh, means it's time to pay the bills. Going to be right back after this quick commercial break. And when we come back, obviously, Devin's going to be here to tackle more of your Social Security questions. Okay, we are back. Before we start again, if you appreciate what we do, guys, would you do something for us? Share this show with your friends and family on your favorite social platforms and subscribe to our podcast. It takes you two seconds and it really helps us out. Now, with that little commercial break, let's get back to our questions. What, what was next, Miranda? Yeah, so Tom says this one hopefully will be fairly fast, maybe. Let's see. Uh, my wife is 62 and does not have enough work credits to qualify for Social Security. I turned 70 in September and have deferred Social Security until age 70. So I will apply then. What benefit will my wife get and when should she apply? So he's thinking about his wife. (laughs) Yeah. It goes back to that spousal benefit calculation that we were talking about Mm -hmm. in the first question. And that is that she will be entitled to a benefit up to one half of his full retirement age benefit, not his age 70 benefit, his full retirement age benefit. So, so she might as well start, she might as well apply now. Is that, is that true? Yeah. So when he turns on his age 70 benefit, yeah, she just needs to go ahead and file for that spousal benefit immediately. But she can't get the spouse until he applies at age 70. Absolutely. Okay. Right. But that benefit's going to be based on his full retirement age, not the age 70. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That is correct. I think I'm getting this now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. So here's one from Peggy. She says, I'm retired, but watch my grandchildren. My kids want to pay me. She has a small pension of $29,000 and she receives 5,000 from social security. I'm not sure that's every month though. <laughs> no, one would uh, think not. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I was a stay at home mom for a number of years. Uh, so if my kids pay me $12,000 a year, will that increase my social security payments in the future? And will it be enough to offset the taxes I will have to pay on it? That's a tough mm. one. Well, that's a, you know, it's a head it, scratcher. The, <laughs> the only thing that, I mean, I could answer this question quickly, that pension bothers me a little bit. Mm. Simply because if, you know, when you hear the word pension, there's two types. You have a covered pension, which means that while they were working, earning that pension, they paid into Social Security. And then you have the non-covered pension, which you see in 15 states, there's teachers, firefighters, police officers. They do not pay into Social Security, but they are some of the most common worker groups to receive a pension. 
So it could change everything if she receives a non-covered pension because then we have to calculate in the windfall elimination provision and the government pension offset. So I want to answer this question and assume that the pension she's receiving is is from covered work where she always paid Social Security. All right? Okay. The short answer is yes. I I suspect that her benefits would increase and it probably would be worth it to pay those taxes. You know, if you look at the return on investment with those taxes, it would probably be fairly high. So the Social Security calculation is based on the highest 35 years of earnings. And all of your earnings before age 60 are indexed for inflation. And then any earnings at 60 and later are simply used at face value. But the thing they do is they always use 35 years when they're calculating a retirement benefit. So if she has 10 years of work history, well, guess what? They're using 25 years of zeros in the calculation and then 10 years of those earnings. So any year of earnings that she has will replace one of those zeros and thus drive up that average to be ran through the formula. And Social Security is already geared to give a higher a higher benefit to lower income workers in proportion to their pre-retirement earnings. And so the return would be pretty stinking good on that. So so if she, if her kids pay her $12,000 a year providing of course that they pay Social Security on that, uh, it it can increase her social Security payments in the future, right? I would think so. Okay. You now, know, in a couple of considerations, it's it, it, it's likely they would pay if they paid her on a 1099, for example. So then, when she's counting the cost of the investment, obviously that FICA tax is doubled for her, right? Mm-hmm. right. So she's paying the full amount of Social Security that's going in there. But still, even with that, you know, you'd have to look at the numbers a little deeper. But I suspect it would still be in her favor. Nice. And hard to know whether it would offset the taxes she's going to have to, the additional taxes she's going to have to pay. And well, it depends on how long she lives, I guess, right? Well, yeah. And how long she gets to collect that benefit, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So here's another one. This one's from Lee. So Lee is a retired civil servant and does not qualify for Social Security benefits. And uh, her husband is 54 years old and working under the Federal Employee Retirement System. And he has a pension and Social Security benefits. So what she wants to know is if he dies before she does, is she entitled to his pension and or Social Security benefits? Oh, yeah. So it sounds like Lee was covered under the old civil service retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Lee's husband is covered under the federal employee retirement plan, the FERS. Mm-hmm. So the way that when they made that when they made that switch, the old civil service retirement employees were not covered by Social Security. As, as Lee said, she does not have any Social Security of her own. That goes back to that non-covered pension we were talking about a moment ago. She didn't pay any Social Security taxes in while she was earning that pension. Therefore, she has this non-covered pension. So I can answer the question about what survivor or spousal benefit she would be entitled to from Social Security. And I'm pretty sure the pension is going to be the same. It's not going to change based on her CSRS pension. But the, the survivor benefit from Social Security would work like this. Before any benefits were paid to her, they would take two-thirds 
of her civil service retirement pension and subtract an amount equal to that from spousal or survivor benefits. So, for example, if her civil service retirement pension was $3,000, then they would take two-thirds of that or $2,000 and subtract that from the survivor or spousal benefit that Social Security would ordinarily pay. So, in many cases, it offsets it completely, and Mm. they refer to that as the government pension offset. A lot of people hate that. I've I've gotten lots of nasty uh, little, (laughs) yeah, lots of comments on our website about how people feel like they've been ripped off by that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So here's one that's fairly simple, and we kind of sort of answered a little bit earlier, and sort of similar to my own situation from Joan. Uh, She says, "My husband and I divorced after ten years of marriage. He passed away in December of 2020 at the age of 71. I am 69 this year." I'm 69 this year in 2022. Can I claim his social security if I made more money than him? I mean, so, you can, but do you want to? <laughs> yeah, that that's like, kind of what that's I was thinking question. too. <laughs> like, sure that... you can, but would, wouldn't you rather have your own if you made more? Wouldn't you rather have your own well, you benefit? Know, a, a lot of people, and I'm not, I'm not sure if Joan feels this way, uh, Miranda, but you know, I've had a lot of people say they want both. They want mm. theirs and their dead spouse's. And so that may sure. be what she's saying, too. Uh, she doesn't understand that it's going to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one thing that, that could be done here, uh, and, and I think I may know why she's asking this question, but one small sliver of a strategy that might could work is if she did a voluntary suspension of her own benefit mm. and then was able to file for a survivor benefit for that little one-year period and let her own benefit grow. Because remember, survivor benefits, that's still a class of benefits where you can restrict the scope of your application for a certain benefit. Mm. Now, I'm not even positive that she would be able to do that. I'd have to go back and look at the manual for someone who's been receiving payments without doing a withdrawal and paying Mm. all those benefits back. I don't know if a suspension would allow you to stop that benefit and then file for another class or not. But I think it goes back to why would you? I I really don't think the math is going to work out here. Yeah, I think that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, for for a brief moment, I was like, well, maybe I'll wait and see what happens when my ex dies and do my suspension of benefits. (laughs) But eh. (laughs) all right. So we have one more question. And this one is a doozy. This is the big one. Devin, this one is huge. I don't even know how to like, <laughs> I don't know how to untangle it. <laughs> like this is, this is the one Devin, this is the I'm one. Ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. <laughs> so this is from Terry. She says, my husband passed away seven months ago at the age of 63. He had been on disability. So I assume he was getting his social security disability benefits. I will be 64 in May and I am working full time. I spoke to a social security, uh, I spoke to social security about survivor benefits and they told me I make too much money to collect this benefit. And after I retire, I wouldn't qualify because it would put me over the dollar limit. So that's the setup. My question Hmm. is, does it matter how much money I make to prevent me from collecting survivor benefits? And what is the maximum amount of money I can make to collect these survivor benefits? I was told even when I retire, I would not be able to collect the survivor benefit because I was making too much money. This doesn't make sense to me. 
My husband started working when he was 14 years old. Where does all of his social security money go if I can't have survivor benefits? Well, you know what? I agree with her. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I think she may have gotten some misinformation along with some correct information. So let me go back and, and see if we can untangle some of that. There is an earnings limit that applies if you are below full retirement age. So, you know, full retirement age is for those born between, uh, for born in 1960 or later is 67. Mm-hmm. And then it's it some some variant of that, depending on your year of birth, all the way down to 66 if you were born between 1943 and 1954. So if you're less than full retirement age, there is an earnings limit. And the Social Security Administration says, hey, if you have net earnings from self-employment or gross earnings from wages that exceed this amount, then we're going to start withholding some of your benefits. And if your earnings are high enough, it can get to the point where your benefits turn off completely. Now, in 2022, that limit is $19,560, I believe. So if you earn more than that, they're going to start to withhold $1 for every $2 that you go over. Now, what some people don't know is that that earnings limit not only applies to your own retirement benefit and spousal benefits, but it also uh, applies to survivor benefits, too. So that's probably what they're telling her. But as far as once she retires, she's still going to be making too much. I, I don't even know where they could be coming up with that, because at retirement, even if you are under full retirement age, uh, the earnings limit goes away completely. Th- this stuff is just so detail-oriented, though, and it's so complicated, and it's so difficult to understand. Uh, you know, we, we've got we, – we're almost out of time, but we've got uh, – I want to ask one really quick question. Devin, you've been okay. doing this a long time. You obviously understand this topic really well. What's the most common misconception people have about Social Security? I, I don't want to put you on the oh, spot. We haven't rehearsed man. this. But is there is there one thing that people keep asking you? Or that people seem confused about? I mean, I can see anyone confused about yeah. any of these questions today, but just basic things. There's basic thing people don't get. Yep. Let, let's, let's go broad here, okay? The one question that I'm asked more often than any of these questions is, what's the right age to file? And, and there's, so, oh, yeah. there's so much written in publications about, you know, these rules of thumb and all of this stuff. And yet, despite all of that, you still see the filing data that says that, uh, the vast majority of people just file as soon as they can, yes. right? So for for like a third of them, it's at 62. And then the rest of them, it's as soon as they stop working where that earnings limit we just discussed no longer applies. So, you know, I, they're asking that question, but there's still a lot of them are still filing at the earliest age possible. But to go back to that, a lot of people really take this seriously. I think I heard you say in the opener that Social Security makes up a third of most people's income or some some number like that. Yes. I think the Social Security Administration has it around that number. But from my experience, what I see is that, you know, let's say that someone's been a pretty good saver. They come in from their job and they say, OK, Devin, I'm retiring. I've saved two million dollars in my IRA. So we have that and we have Social Security. For those people, Social Security is probably or even more of their retirement income. And so this is, this is something that, you know, you see people taking very seriously and it's a very important decision. The short answer is there are no rules of thumb that people can stick to. When I see people suggesting that if you can delay till 70, you should, that's nonsense. There's a lot of great reasons 
to file mm-hmm. earlier, and there's a lot of great reasons to file later. Yeah, well, that's uh, that, you didn't really answer the question, but I guess I guess what your answer is <laughs> there's no answer. It just depends on your situation. Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. But that no, is there is no best age to file. Yeah. It is, and that's probably the one that I get most often. And what is it that you do, Devin, uh, in, in terms of helping people with Social Security questions like you have today? What do you do for a living? Yeah, so for a living, I'm a full-time financial advisor who back a few years ago kind of fell into the Social Security stuff. And for some reason, it hooked me. I don't know why it hooked me like it did, but it did. Me either. And, <laughs> I'm astounded. <laughs> and, you know, I, I started studying it. Then I started doing workshops. And then I thought, well, I'll start a blog on this. I started writing some stuff. And then I started doing YouTube videos, which were awful, by the way. These YouTube videos were horrible. <laughs> I've, I've since taken them all down. I should have left some of them up. But no one watched them. And so I abandoned the YouTube channel. And then about a year, maybe a year and a half later, I noticed that one of those videos had like 30,000 views. And I thought, wait a minute, maybe, maybe if I just really up my YouTube game, some people out there will, will enjoy this content. And so I went back to YouTubing. That became my primary channel. So I'm a full-time financial advisor that really nerds out on Social Security and wants to share what I've learned with everyone else. So if I have a question, I want to, or let's say the question, I want to know when I should take my Social Security. Can I call you and make an appointment and you can explain, you know, I can give you my detail, my details and you can tell me what to do? No. <laughs> Unfortunately I, not. Were going to say yes. I was trying to feed you business there and it obviously did not work. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> so, you know, back in the early days, yes, we actually had a consultation program set up where people could reserve a time and get with me on the phone. And it didn't take long before we were overwhelmed. And and I don't say this to be arrogant about the size of my platform. I really don't. But it sounds that way. Between the blog and my YouTube channel, there's over a million people per month that are consuming our content. And so with all of that, we just... I I just couldn't handle it. And so what we do now, though, is we have a Facebook group that has, I don't know, we're at nearly 30,000 members in the Facebook group. And I have some fantastic admins in that Facebook group, as well as some really smart people uh, that understand Social Security. I don't know where these people came from, really. It just, you know, people that I would <laughs> notice over time <laughs> and, and they just really like Social Security. But I mean, these people know more about Social Security than I did after I'd been practicing as a financial advisor for 10 years. And, so what, you know, how, most do, you, how, of do we, were, how do they find you on Facebook? Just look for Social Security Intelligence. Cool. That's the same place you could find uh, my blog. You go on YouTube, you can find Devin Carroll. Uh, we also have a free workshop at DevinCarroll.com that they can go to that is how to choose the right age to file for Social Security. Awesome. That's very cool. And I'm so glad that there are people like you out there, Devin, because I sure as hell don't want to know about this stuff. <laughs> it just, it's, it's too complicated. I'm, I'm a CPA. And, and I, you know what? Tax law, too. I've been a CPA for almost 45 years. And, and tax law just gets me, too. It's just too detail-oriented. I'm just not that type of guy. I can understand it when you explain it, but I don't really want to know all the deeds myself. <laughs> Hey, I'm afraid we're out of time, but we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquette, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And visit Devin Carroll at his website. 
That is socialsecurityintelligence.com. Got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest? Tell us about it. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're going to see you right here next time.